The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit VALottery.com. Now, I happen to think that my husband is one of those people that looks good in everything. And I th- I really do believe this is true. He is um, just kind of naturally charismatic and stylish. And I'll be totally honest, when we first started dating, we avoided talking about politics and beliefs. And so, you know, the way he dressed was one of the ways that I figured out whether or not I liked him. And I liked him a lot. He would say, though, that he's not especially stylish. He would say he has good taste. But it's easy to confuse the two. I think what it is, is that good taste basically means effortlessly stylish. And that is what Mack Weldon is. And my husband loves his Mack Weldon stuff. It is better than whatever you're wearing right now, I believe, unless you're wearing Mack Weldon. They make premium men's essentials with smart design and premium fabrics and also really, really simple shopping. They are the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants you will ever wear. I know my husband loves his hoodie, especially. It's uh, got a really cool, like kind of high zipper on the neck. Um, So, you know, we live in Minneapolis when it gets cold. It means he doesn't have to wear a scarf. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means you don't have to wash them as often because they eliminate odor. And Mack Weldon is so confident you're going to like their stuff, so confident you're going to be comfortable. If you don't like your first pair or first shirt or whatever it is you buy, you can keep it and they'll still refund you, no questions asked. And I should add that this stuff performs well, too, um, in part because that silver stuff, uh, it's great for working out. But you can also go to work, go on dates, just lounge around. That's definitely something my husband does in his hoodie. So go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code FRIENDS. That's 20% off from MacWeldon.com, promo code FRIENDS. Hi, this is Anna Marie Cox, and you are listening to With Friends Like These. Today is our monthly visit with my friend and yours, Rick Wilson, uh, the former practitioner of Republican dark arts turned never Trump uh, absolutist. He's one of my very favorite people in the world, and we'll be visiting him for the entire show today. I hope that everyone out there enjoys their Super Bowl because I'm growing to resent it. Uh, It has made life in Minneapolis somewhat difficult, and it has very specifically made certain radio facilities uh, less available than they might be usually. So if you detect the absence of a certain topic in this conversation with Rick, it is because this conversation happened before that certain topic happened. Anyway, enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show, Rick Wilson, Trump agonist, and of course, <laughs> friend of the pod. Hey, Rick. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me back, Anna. Well, you know, I mean, it's an ongoing conversation with you. Uh, I was telling it someone is. before the show that I would be talking to you, and I mentioned that I have you on about once a month, in part because I simply enjoy the pleasure. I mean, I enjoy your company and your wit Likewise. and your uh, insights. But also, I said, and this is true, I am very curious about the viability of these relationships that have been formed under the pressure of the Trump administration. Uh, I want us to be friends forever. Likewise. <laughs> I worry about things changing. 
Um, and it, but there's a part of me also that I feel like if things return to normal, are we going to have to go back to our different locker rooms? Uh, I, you know, I've come to believe that that this level of stress test on American political society and American society more broadly is something that's really forming a whole new set of 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 bonds. I mean, this is like. And, and my mom's the geologist in the family, so you know, pardon my lack of a, pardon my only having a classical education, not a science education, but um, it, it, this, the stresses of this are like are like tectonic, and they're forming like I think some interesting diamonds down there deep in the in the in the pit of all this pressure, and I think that they will pretty much uh, end up having uh, more more permanence and viability than than the sort of temporary alliances that that are patched together out of just expedience. I mean, I look at I look at you know the Republican Party. We held this this bicycle together for years with duct tape of, you know, one wheel being the evangelicals and one wheel being the national conservative folks and one wheel being the uh, you know, <laughs> it's a being the economic conservatives. And, and we sort of held it together and we had all these tensions back and forth. And you know, at the end of the day, the the, the evangelicals in particular sold pretty cheaply. Um, the economic conservatives who were, you know, all against statism and and love the free market are now like, yeah, it's good. He's shutting down solar imports and it's going to build and he's going to build a 5G Wi-Fi network across the country. What? <laughs> so, yeah, that 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 is a, it was a tricycle, not a stool. And I guess I don't know if we've, how to continue that metaphor exactly if it hit a bump in the road named Trump or uh, if Trump rode it into the ground. Uh, but it definitely a fat kid named Donnie ran out and stole it <laughs> from the from the honor student named Jeb and his friend Marco jumped on the bike and his his sizable girth crushed it. <laughs> yes, I, that, that yeah, and it is crushed. I mean, do you really think that 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 triumphant, however we want to use the metaphor, is is never to rise again. Well, I think that I think that there will be a sense now of of mutual nervousness and suspicion among the three uh, traditional silos in the Republican Party. I think that I think that you really have to go back now and look and see if people who claim to be economic conservatives really were, and people who claim to be evangelicals really were, and if they if they if their standards were so mutable and their standards were so so loose that they, you know, for the sake of some fairly short-term political expedience, um, compromised everything they claimed they believed in. I, I, I think it's a difficult um, coalition to put back together and also because there is a sense among a, a, a fraction of the Republican base, meaningful fraction but still only a, a minority, that – um, that we're in this new era of nationalist populism, and that we're really looking for, you know, strong leaders and mm-hmm. and you know leaders of the character of Donald Trump, um, who are more uh, inclined to be at least authoritarian, curious, um, more inclined to replace policy and politics with bluster and 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 bullshit. Um, and so I think there are people who are making their peace with that as the future of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Now. Speaking of people who have compromised their principles, um, you, my friend, I, I'm not going to say you compromise your principles. Maybe I, I'm actually the one doing my compromising because we've discussed on the show before your personal resume would not, if I had been reading it three years ago, let's say, mm-hmm. I would not have predicted that you and I would be talking here today or be the friends that we are. 
You are no, a, I mean, a practitioner of the dark arts. We're still, in fact, a practitioner of the dark yeah, arts just, of politics. I, you uh, did some things that we have discussed before that I do not believe were uh, particularly noble <laughs> in terms of <laughs> attack ads. Uh, I have problems with some of the stuff that you personally did. We won't relitigate sure. uh, necessarily, but... Um, Actually, I'm blanking on the name of the ad, the guy. Who is it? Who is the person I'm, I'm defending? You're thinking of the Max Cleland ad or the Reverend Wright ad. Or the Reverend Wright other. ad and the Max Cleland ad. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, I thought of the Reverend Wright ad, but the Max Cleland but ad you know, was really, really reprehensible. Really, really reprehensible. I think I texted you after uh, Alabama. Yes. Because we had gone up with that daughter's ad. Yes. Uh, about using my superpowers for good right now. <laughs> you know, it, it, it really did. Yeah. It really was a moment of clarity, I think. Interestingly enough, I don't think we would have had a Roy Moore if we didn't have a Donald Trump. And for a lot of people, that was a really interesting gut check moment. Mm-hmm. Like, are you willing to put a child molester in office for party loyalty? Because I I, I got to tell you, I'm not that guy. I'm sorry. You know, the, the argument of any Republican is better than any Democrat, you know, if it's if it's all things being equal— you know, it's a conservative. Yeah, I can still make that argument in many, many cases. But when we're down to defending people who are actual child molesters, that's not a party anymore. That's that's you know that that's something that's gone really off the rails. That's a cult, I believe, is actually um, what you might mm-hmm. call it. But I, but I am very curious about the, you know your personal journey here because we are you know at a moment of of anniversary. Uh, yep. Looking back, a year, two years. Um, so saying I was I, I picked three years because that was when Donald Trump was nary a, a twinkle in an authoritarian's eye or authoritarianism mm, was nary a twinkle in Donald Trump's eye. Uh, and you were still doing your dark arts uh, for Republicans. Um, did you see this coming? I guess that's one of my one of my questions for you, because some people do claim to have seen this kind of thing coming, like in the celebrity culture, um, in the hollowing out of the Republican Party. Uh, you know, to be basically either mega donors or tea partiers. Um, that right. it was sort of well, ripe for the taking. But you, you must not have seen it coming, actually, because you were no, supported, b- Jevin me, if I, if Marco. I, <laughs> right. If I had seen it coming, um, there would have been an entirely different sort of framing of how I entered the 2016 cycle. Um, and it would have been an entirely different sort of set of efforts. And you know the, the 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 thing about Trump is he's sui generis. Okay, he is not. You know, there aren't a lot of other Donald Trumps sitting in the wings waiting to go. There aren't a lot of other people with this with the thirty years of of national television exposure, built in name ID, brand image, etc. That 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 are out there that could be elected in, in a comparable way. Thank God yeah. on either side, by the way, because authoritarianism and 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 the kind of celebrity over the top thing would be dangerous, I believe, honestly, in either direction. I, I think an authoritarian populist, you know, a, a, a would be is trouble no matter what their leanings are ideologically um, for, for a republic. And so insofar as not seeing Trump coming, you know, no one could have anticipated the the sort of electoral chemistry that he was able to catalyze in 2016 with a field of Republicans who had, you know, been involved in like a John Woo style gunfight with each other um, and, and, and the crushing overhang of the way the media was shaped. But I do think, 
you know, Trump is a cautionary tale of, of how a party can get hijacked by an individual and how a movement can get hijacked by an individual. And, and the fact that he's redefined both the party and the conservative movement, that's where the real gap is. You know, there are people that are like, okay, I'll take the win. I'm comfortable with that. That's cool with me. Uh, and there are people who, you know, and I, I grant you, it's a smaller number than it used to be. Um, there are people who are who are concerned that um, Donald Trump shows a lot of tendencies that, that do not uh, befit the presidency. For a democracy, are, period. Yes, well, that too. Um, th- that that are not consonant with uh, the rule of law and you know small d democratic principles and so you know in that regard I'm I'm thankful that he is a unique sort of historical figure I'm thankful that there aren't you know warehouses full of Donald Trump knockoffs out there <laughs> ready to run now there will be a lot who try in primaries particularly this year um, but. You know, the Mitch McConnell got a gigantic break with Steve Bannon's downfall, mm-hmm. and and the fact that they they were basically going to tell the president um, at Camp David, uh, there's a sixty percent chance we we tie the Senate if you let Bannon primary all of our people. Mm-hmm. There's a twenty percent chance that we tie the Senate if you don't. It's not going to be a good year either way, Mr. President. Your call. Um, and so a lot of those Yahoo types that are Trump likes and, and clones of Donald Trump and who want to be Donald Trump. Um, they're going to run out there into the into the the chainsaw of the reality that unless you're a a global celebrity as Donald Trump is, saying the kind of things that Donald Trump says makes you seem like a goddamn lunatic. I worry a lot more about the Paul Ryan's of the world than I do about the mini Trumps, um, because well, Paul Ryan's a, are, um, he looks and sounds like a somewhat rational dude. <laughs> I mean, he's soulless and dead eyed, but. Um, you know, he he presents himself well to his constituents, says all the right things, but has done zero to, you know, counterbalance this encroachment on democratic norms. I think that I think that and and I look, I I get Paul Ryan. I've done a lot of work in Wisconsin. I know Ryan. Um, I know the I know where he's from. I know the communities from and. And the shape of Paul Ryan's sort of ideological landscape was very, very much in that center-right economic conservative uh, posture mm-hmm. that was a, a traditional part of the Republican Party. And Paul Ryan's thinking has become opaque to me and many others who, who've known him because he's got the pressure of the Freedom Caucus on the one side who – if Donald Trump declared himself as you know as, as the maximum leader tomorrow and wanted missile parades down Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue, those guys would jump out there and you know and, Start and sing hallelujah, yes. right? Um, and he's got what I call the soon-to-be unemployed caucus on the other side, and you know the the people that are vulnerable in this year's election, the you know the the call your call your poison, but somewhere between twenty-five and forty-five of those folks are in districts where. Donald Trump is wildly unpopular. I mean, in, in incredibly unpopular. Um, you know, Republican districts that Hillary Clinton won, um, Republican districts that look a lot like Northern Virginia, um, where people, as I like to say, would crawl over broken glass to vote against Trump or yeah. Trumpers. So he's got he's trying to keep the the caucus uh, as a sort of a whole, 
and give the crazy guys on the, you know, the conspiracy guys um, enough steam valves to relieve the pressure on what they're doing. You know, so so that's why he's letting people like Nunez get away with this letter stuff because it keeps them busy, keeps them from trying to overthrow him as <laughs> that's speaker. A, that's an analysis I hadn't heard before. Like it's a make work project for Devin Nunez. It's <laughs> pretty much it, it. It lets him it lets him have a, a you know some busy work. Yeah. Um, it's also incredibly destructive to the rule of law yeah, well, and you know, yes. depredation on 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 our our legal system and our institutions. But you know, but for, for, for Paul Ryan, it's like just giving him it's his uh, TPS forms for Devin right yes. exactly. Right. We're gonna have to have you go ahead and <laughs> <laughs> and break uh, some rule yeah, of law um, norms. You have to go ahead and uh, uh, Devin. I'm gonna need your stapler. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, look, and and so he's caught in the horns of this terrible dilemma. Of how do I manage a caucus that has two really strongly competing factions? How do I manage a caucus that feels very threatened by the Republican base? Because an awful lot of people in the in and I've you know had this conversation, I kid you not, two dozen times with two dozen members. Right. And they say things like, Well, look, you know I'm not really, really with him, but I've got to stick with him until after my primary, because if I say anything in the primary, they'll just they'll, those crazy people. They, they'll 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 follow me home. They'll go to my kid's school. They'll post ten million memes on my Facebook, and you know I, I like to call those the profiles in chicken shit caucus, because they don't like Donald Trump. They recognize that he's hurting them politically, and yet they will whip out the old red hat as often as possible and retweet the MAGA hashtag uh, at the drop of a hat. So. You know, it, it's it's a difficult um, it's a difficult you know situation for those guys. But you know, there's a part that really bothers me about what happened, what's happened with Paul and the caucus right now, and that's they seem to have forgotten that the House and the Senate are a co-equal branch of government. They seem to they seem to have left that behind. Yeah. And when they said the other day, we're not going to ever send the president anything that he's not going to sign. Well, you've just given away a fundamental aspect of the power of that co-equal branch of government. And call me crazy, but in that old-fashioned, you know, conservatives are supposed to adhere to and revere the Constitution thing, um, that's what that's what the founders and the framers expected the Congress and the Senate to do, yeah. was balance the executive and to, to want to a, balance that's actually the thing that's kind of crazy correct. right is is that <laughs> it was it was structured so that you would have like competing self-interests right like mm-hmm. that each branch would want to be powerful you right. know and that each branch would be comprised of people who represented the values and norms and desires and needs of their states or districts right now we have a republican caucus that is completely um uh, you know, trying to to impose an ideological and political conformity based on Trumpism alone. So, you know, much like evangelicals who have proven themselves this year uh, on the conservative side to be world class, um, uh, you know, compromisers. Um, so too have these guys who you know, have, who straight, say that they are strict and and rigid constitutionalists because they're not. They're not. They're not operating as folks who are following what their states or districts want. They're not listening to those people. They're listening to what the what the nightly Fox News you know agitprop line of the Trump state is, and they're following it. 
it rather rather slavishly. And you know, as a conservative, I, I believe that that this this republic of ours is a fragile enough thing that it has to be held together by by states with and and districts with varying interests. And just trying to impose one top-down ideological frame is something we used to criticize the Democrats for at the time. <laughs> we used to say, oh, well, the Democrats, they've got to all be strictly pro-abortion and they've got to all be strictly pro-gun control and pro-union and this and that and this and that. Well, now, if you're a Republican, you have to be strictly pro-Donald Trump and you have to be strictly in favor of whatever he proposes on any given moment, even if it's different from what he proposed the day before. And it's, it's just a bad look. It is. And um, I mean, you've said, you laid out a little bit what you think this means for the future of the Republican Party, which is not good to the extent that we have a Republican Party or have in America in 10 years. All right. Hold on for just a second. We're going to take a quick break. You know, until recently, there's been an area of fashion where women have had a real advantage over men. Which is, you know, there are not very many of those. Men get pockets. Men get more uh, specific sizes for things. Um, men uh, get cheaper clothes, generally. But women have had the ability to rent really cool clothes um, more than men in this day and age. We've been able to go to places like Rent the Runway. And men have not had that. Although, sure, they had tuxedo rentals way back in the day. But they haven't been able to rent, like, really cool outfits. Well, Black Tux is that. It is the easy way to rent suits and tuxedos online. Everyone wants to look as great as their date at a special event or a wedding. And blacktux.com is your answer for high-quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your doorstep. Black Tux lets you create your look or choose from tons of stylist-selected total outfits and suits that usually retail for $1,200. At the Black Tux, they start at $95. And there's expert customer care every step of the way, and it's done completely online. With Black Tux, you can do a free home try-on so that you can see the fit, feel, and quality of your suit months before the event. And after ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event. And if anything is less than perfect, that gives you plenty of time to get a replacement. And it's free. They will send you a free replacement right away. And when your event's over, you just drop the rental back in the mail. Shipping is free both ways. To get $20 off your first purchase, visit theblacktux.com slash friends. That's theblacktux.com slash friends for $20 off your purchase. Premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. Theblacktux.com slash friends. Journalist Mehdi Hassan is known around the world for his televised takedowns of presidents and prime ministers. He hosts Upfront on Al Jazeera and is a columnist for The Intercept. And in his new podcast, Deconstructed, Mehdi unpacks a game-changing news event of the week while challenging the conventional wisdom in a tight 30-minute package, a little quicker than what we do here. He starts his show with his take on one topic and what the mainstream news is getting wrong or what context is being missed. And then he goes into a deep analysis and conversation with his guest or guests of the week. And get this, his guests have included Judd Apatow, Bernie Sanders, and Hassan Minhaj. So he kind of covers the gamut, I would say, in terms of who you might be expecting. Um, it's everyone from comedians to politicians to, for instance, Stefan Clark's fiance. So you're going to hear from a lot of different people. And the show has covered such topics as the violence in Gaza from the perspective of Israeli activists against the occupation and, of course, police shootings, as through the eyes of the fiancé of Stephon Clark. 
Also, he's talked about the dangers of John Bolton with former diplomats. As a Brit and a Muslim, an immigrant based in Donald Trump's Washington, D.C., Mehdi Hassan gives a refreshingly provocative perspective on the ups and downs of American and global politics. Deconstructed is a show that cuts through political drivel and media misinformation to give you a straight take on one big news story of the week. It is out every Friday, just like this pod. You can listen and subscribe at theintercept.com slash deconstructed or on any podcast platform. I have two questions, one backward looking. Open question. Yeah, I, well, we, we joke and yet, you know, in my darker moments, I think our relationship started in part because I... You know, I was asking you about guns <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm, you know, still in this place where I can see a future where our country does not um, exist in the same form that it has for the last, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred. <laughs> um, I, I And again, I laugh. That's a nervous laugh. Um, democracies do die. Democracies are fragile. Americans don't realize that. We, we are so um, high on our We're own spoiled. supply. <laughs> We're spoiled. We are because we have one of the most successful experiments in democracy in, in the history, which is but it's still very brief. It's successful, but a nanosecond in the great, you know, span of history. And it, the yep. things that are happening now are the things that happen that destroy democracies. You know, uh, polarization, uh, end of rule of law. um, uh, un- being unable to hear another side, um, and and media being fractured, um, the the creation of a kind of pro state media, de facto state media, uh, which we have both in the form of Fox News, but also like Trump's Twitter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, okay, but I was going to ask you a forward. I w- that's the forward, scary forward. I'm going to go backward first, which is. So three years ago, that Rick Wilson didn't have any idea this was coming. What would you tell, what would that Rick Wilson be most surprised by that exists, that's happening today? The, the, the degree of capitulation by my own party. Mm. That's, that's the shocking thing to me. That's the sad and, and tragic area that, that I could never have foreseen. And, and the moral compromises that, Every single one of them makes to avoid the fear of a mean tweet, and the and the and the moral compromises that every single one of them makes to avoid the fear of the mob, and that is what we've become. You know, it, it, you can be a party of ideas and philosophies and principles, or you can be a party of men and mobs. And right now, the the Republican Party is sadly devolving into a party of men and mobs, and it is a very disturbing trend. Um. And, and, and three years ago, me would have been shocked that 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 people that I know are not Trumpians, that I know uh, that I know understand history and understand politics and understand humans and understand the the great sort of wash of history. There are many of those people right now in the in Congress and the Senate who absolutely know that the things that the Trump administration is engaged in. Are, are are a cancer in our in our in our country and a, a cancer on our democracy um, and and a threat to our republic um, and they they are paralyzed with fear and 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 we there's nothing like this in American history there's no moment in American history 
where there was one person so reckless and so dangerous to the future of the republic. I mean, this is there, there. There has literally been, you know, one American president who you could call, in some ways, a tyrant. Jackson and hmm? Andrew Jackson. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Trump's and hero, can, and, <laughs> to the extent he knows who he is. I mean, that's yeah. debatable. And, and, but yeah, uh, yeah. But it's it's like it's like uh, uh, yeah. He knows about as much about Andrew Jackson as I know about string theory. <laughs> um, but uh, there is a moment. Uh, you know, there's a moment where you can say that Lincoln exercised sort of tyrannical powers to save the republic in its darkest moment, and that that was the moment where we required a strong leader who was willing to, to you know, crack the norms a little bit uh, in terms of habeas corpus and other yeah. things. But this wasn't that moment in our society. This wasn't that moment in our country. We weren't in an economic despair. We weren't in a civil war. We weren't in an existential crisis of any kind. Well, actually, we were in somewhat of an invented existential crisis. White bit, people yes. were having an existential crisis. Yes. And, and that's actually a huge part of the story that you and I haven't mentioned yet because it's not really – because we've been mainly talking about sort of Washington insiderness. But that's a huge propellant here um, in, oh, uh, in this look, disaster I, is, is this uh, sense that white people have that they are in crisis, although – they are, in fact, not in crisis. <laughs> um, you know, white people in America, you know, for a long time and on the Republican side, were deeply, 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 deeply offended if anyone called them racist. Mm -hmm. And I used to defend a lot of my electeds and a lot of my friends and myself included when, when liberals would say, oh, you're just all racist, blah, 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 for no reason. Okay. And often – on the liberal side, those those attacks were for no substantive reason. Not always. But now we have a president who you can make the argument he's not a racist, but he sure seems comfortable with a lot of their ideas. He sure seems comfortable with, with half the people in Charlottesville. He sure seems like he will call out any black athlete or entertainer in a hot second. But somehow Vladimir Putin always gets a pass. And and the and that is fed into a fraction of the Republican Party and a, a fraction of the of the Republican base that that is um, responsive to that message yeah. and that is that is okay with that message and and he feeds that very frequently and this is the the, the whole you know the, the 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 necessity of the threatening mob at the door whether they're Mexicans or Chinese or African-Americans or whoever, you know, this is part of the authoritarian playbook. There has to be an evil other about to come and get you. Yeah. You know, it, it has to be some combination. They're not just black activists in BLM. They're also Antifa and Soros and Jews and blah, blah, blah. This whole mess of these, uh, of all these, this sort of anxiety closet of, of craziness. Well, it had to be produced and, and again, sort of, fed in order to create a, what turned into a real existential crisis, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the monsters are now real. They weren't real before, but they are now. I, I actually want to ask you about the profiles in chicken shit um, and ask you to name names. Is there someone you can, you'd be willing to say like you're the most surprised by in terms of their complicity in this? Well, in terms of, in terms of, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put Lindsey Graham on the list oh. right off the top. Because on the yeah. one hand, Lindsay was a very strong, very clear voice. 
And then when it started to sound like that Rex Tillerson wasn't going to be Secretary of State anymore, all of a sudden there was a flip. Mm. Oh, you think and that's what did it? I hadn't heard that theory of before. Of course, yeah. Oh. Well, no, that, he wants to be Secretary of State. Absolutely. That, oh. That's exactly what's driving that. Oh. But it, it, it is not trivial to see somebody like that flip so hard. And, you know, there are a lot of people it, who, who have tried to accommodate themselves to Trumpism. And like I said, they're, they're driven by two big factors, fear of a mean tweet, which scares the shit out of them, and, and the, the power of the Trump mob, the power of the horde to intimidate and threaten them. And, you know, I, I find myself in this role like a, like a confessor to a lot of, you know, Republican elected officials who call me and say, oh, my God, it's awful. I can't stand it. What am I going to do? And da, 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 da. But I've got to protect myself. But I can't, you know, risk a primary. But I can't do this, that, and the other thing. What do you – I mean, let's pause for a second here. What do you tell mm-hmm. them when they t- – they, when you – I won't – I guess if you're a confessor, I'll, I'll honor the sacredness of that If I leave the names out of it, I can give you the yeah. the, the basic, you know, here's your Hail Marys. Here's your penance. Yeah. Um, I, I tell them all the time. Get back to advocating things about yourself, your state, or your district. Get back to talking about things that matter and in your home base because those things aren't Trump-inflected right now. Those things aren't you know, about Donald Trump. I tell them that they need to find a place where they can establish some daylight, whether they believe me or not. Uh, and, and many of them say they believe me and then take no action. And believe okay? you on what? When I tell them, you've got to find a place where you have it on the record early that you disagree with the president on something. Mm. Because right now, the bullshit bubble in the stock market is holding up Donald Trump's, you know, already kind of sad approval ratings. Um, But if that goes, um, the the vortex is going to suck these guys under. You know, most of these Republican candidates and, and electeds are running about 15 points behind Trump's approval rating generically. Wow. And, and, you know, some in their districts are, you know, who don't have competition are better off. But the, the Republican brand is pretty tough. It's in some pretty tough waters right now outside of deep red districts and deep red states. I want to note also you said bullshit bubble. I don't know if people realize this. I was reading up on it this morning that like American stock market is considered the most overvalued in the world right now. Oh, yeah. Compared oh, yeah. to earnings. And it's based um, on it is the bullshit bubble. It is based on the assumption that Trump will somehow, you know, make. He has so far, again, he has actually made regulations more friendly to corporations and shareholders. Um, but there's no there there. Right. The, 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 look, I criticized a lot of the, um, you know, the the market uh, enthusiasm during the late Obama era and mid-Obama era because it was partly a factor of continued quantitative easing by the Federal Reserve. It was continued zero interest rate loans, basically, for Wall Street financial institutions. and and. Those zero interest loans are a difficulty, uh, you know, insofar as at some point the music stops and at some point the, the, um, at some point the, 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 the game ends, but, uh, you know, that same bubble is still sustaining, um, a lot of wall street and it's still sustaining a lot of the stock market, um, the stock market, uh, you know, health yeah. Right now, and that's a really kind of frightening. Uh, that's a really kind of frightening thing. If you end up with the market going belly up, and you're a Republican, all of a sudden you've lost the major rationale for Trump and Trumpism. 
in a lot of the minds of those people out there. They're all saying, you know, this is this is Trump's market. He's trying to own the entire economy. You know, look at the State of the Union. I'm owning the entire economy. It's so great. It's so awesome. Um, but you know, I think we're going to end up if that if some externality causes the market to go in. You know, that's a lot bigger. That's a lot bigger hill to climb. <laughs> we might finally impeach him. Actually. Postage rates have gone up again. But let Stamps.com keep your rates down with postage discounts of up to 40%. They're discounts you cannot get at the post office. Stamps.com lets you save three cents on every letter you send. You can pay 2016 prices for 2018 stamps. You just have to use Stamps.com to automatically calculate and print the correct amount of postage for every letter or package you send. And Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips without having to go to the post office, which is, you know, pretty much never fun. Never a fun thing to go to the post office. You can be at home doing stuff for your business. At Stamps.com, buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail, using your own computer and printer, and then the mail carrier picks it up. There are no more trips to the post office, no scheduling of a pickup. They make it super, super easy. They will even send you a digital scale to automatically calculate the exact postage. Stamps.com will even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do from your desk with Stamps.com. And I use Stamps.com because did I mention I live in Minnesota? <laughs> it is um, low today is negative six degrees. The high is seven. Um, I never like going to the post office, but on a day like today, it's especially wonderful uh, to use Stamps.com. And on a day like today, I have to tell you, I'm especially grateful to the hardworking people of the U.S. post office who are out there in that negative six degree weather. But that's their job. It's not yours. You can use Stamps.com for anything you would do at the post office. And right now, you can enjoy Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. If you go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in friends. Again, that is a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in friends. Stamps.com and enter friends. Thanks. Did you know that the average family visits five totally different websites before booking a vacation rental? You can spend less time planning your next trip and more time relaxing with Tripping.com, the world's number one site for vacation rentals. Tripping.com is trusted by millions of travelers and has been featured in the New York Times, Travel and Leisure, and Forbes, and more. Whether you're looking for a cabin or a beachfront home to get away this winter— I know I could use one of those. Or if you're already looking ahead to vacations this spring and summer, Tripping.com can help you find the perfect place to stay. Vacation rentals offer flexibility, perks, and amenities that hotels don't, like multiple bedrooms, backyards, hot tubs, free Wi-Fi, kitchens. Uh, and they also just aren't a hotel. I know I prefer staying in a home because it, well, feels like home. With Tripping.com, one search lets you filter, compare, and sort over 10 million available properties on trusted sites like VRBO, TripAdvisor, Booking.com, and more. Don't wonder if you're getting the best deal. You'll save an average of 18% per night by booking your vacation with Tripping.com. Don't forget, if you want to save time and money while booking the perfect vacation rental for your next trip, head to Tripping.com friends today. 
Again, that's tripping.com slash friends, T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com slash friends. So I want to ask you the looking forward question, um, which is, so you, the Rick Wilson of three years ago would have been shocked by the number of profiles in chicken shit there are. Um, when you look forward, I don't want to ask you to predict things, um, but I was maybe hoping to get get towards this answer in what you may be telling your your elected official friends, which is that do you try to scare them beyond their own limited, you know, electoral uh, futures? Like, well, uh, I mean, do you, you, know, do you tell? I mean, uh, does it work when you tell them like we might be rounding up brown people soon? Like, do are oh, they, they, <laughs> they? Oh, they they get it. They get it. These look. Well, let me say not say the majority. A a a plurality at least of of elected officials are pretty smart guys. Yeah. Um, and they're actually worried about this. There are many of them that are actually very deeply concerned about this. They're 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 mortified with where the things are going, and and they're they're shocked that it's this dark right now. Um, but again, you know, the only thing I think that's started to scare them a little bit is that the tax bill is in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing. That that was the thing that the glue that held the caucus together for the year, the first year of Trump. And that was what Paul Ryan would go in the caucus meetings. They'd close the door, members, you know, members only or members in chiefs only in these meetings. And Paul Ryan would rah-rah them along and say, listen, if we don't do this, everybody who gives us money is going to fuck us. The Cokes are going to shut the door. Um, the major donors are going to shut the door and, and, you know, and we're done and you got to stick with this. You got to do this. And at the end of the day, Paul Ryan got his tax bill passed. It wasn't Donald Trump's tax bill. It was Paul Ryan's tax bill. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the, the fact that they got it, they got it passed was kind of this remarkable moment. It was actually like it, it really, I, mean, I think they have um, the healthcare bill exhaustion to thank for that. I think that the left just couldn't muster the ener- the kind of energy that it did around the healthcare bill. Um, yes, I agree, and that's unfortunate. I mean, it just it's it's a tiring time. You know, it takes a lot of energy uh, to resist. Um, and I think whoever engineered trying doing the tax bill when they did, um, I'm guessing you know some combination, obviously, of Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. They they played it correctly. You know? Well, it was it was <laughs> actually they had all been told very clearly by the by a coalition of the major donors. Oh, it's now or fuck you. No, well then it wasn't. Then they just lucked out. But it would. But definitely, yeah. I think there was like a um, protest exhaustion. Um, it does. It, it does seem like that. And 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 look, the Democrats are <laughs> the difficulty in the House for the Democrats remains that they've got Nancy Pelosi as their leader, and. You know, she is a particular has a, has a particular strength for Democrats is that she raises a, a galactic crap ton of money for them. <laughs> but every time I put Nancy Pelosi in front of a focus group of of undecided voters or independents, and certainly Republicans, they run screaming for the hills. She's not a very strong advocate for the Democrats yeah. in the House. They need somebody younger, sh- sharper, smarter. You know, somebody that looks like um, that looks like the future, not not the past. And that is a real problem for her. Just just, just stylistically, it's a big problem. And, you know, frankly, they still play a lot of the same tunes on the same flute. 
and it's a little dull. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little it's a little dull around the edges. So, you know, uh, yes, they are exhausted. Yes, their their leadership uh, on these things is not as as tuned up as it could be. Um, and and you know, look, there was a fraction of the people in the house too who wanted this to get done. They wanted this to get passed. So, you know, I don't think I don't think the tax bill is is either the panacea the Republicans think it is or the nuclear disaster the Democrats think it is. But, I do think it violates a fundamental conservative principle and adds a trillion fucking dollars <laughs> to the de- I, I when I signed up for this thing, I was told we were going to be fiscally disciplined and that and that that fiscal probity was the name of the game and that the Republican Party was about cutting the deficit that the Democrats had run up spending money on social programs. Yeah. Hey, but guess what? You're going to cut those social programs soon. That's oh god, the tax bill is so terrible. I mean, you can hate it, and I can hate it for entirely different reasons. Um, I'm not sure if there's a tax bill that exists that both of us would like, but this is definitely. I think everyone can agree how shitty it is, except for people who benefit from it directly. Obviously, well, and look, <laughs> this tax bill is the triumph of the Goldman Sachs coalition. Yes, and, yes, and, and let's be honest here. <laughs> if 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 I go back and once again apply the sort of traditional Republican model. Um, we're supposed to not pick winners and losers. We're supposed to not do crony capitalism. And a lot of this bill was very much wired in. And believe me, my hedge fund clients, I have a couple of hedge funds I do some PR work for and some writing for. My hedge fund clients, I kid you not, were, were buying cases of champagne. <laughs> That's what they're doing with their the, the yeah. profits of the and and you know the the cases of champagne are being carried in by by ten thousand dollar night hookers. <laughs> this is not a bad thing for Wall Street. They love this. This was this was their fantasy come true, and so you know it struck me that you know the whole picking winners and losers thing we used to criticize Obama for all the time. Um, well, our winner was Goldman Sachs and the financial folks on Wall Street. It's actually also Obama's winner, weirdly enough. It really was, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, not a, that's not a free pass for Obama. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, again, there's probably some areas we could find we, we, we have different criticisms that end in the same, you know, sorts of slogans. Um, See, and that's why I think this whole thing can kind of hang together at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. Um, because I think at some point, you know, grownups are going to have to step in again. And, and, you know, when we look at the next tax bill, you know, I think that there are people who are going to say, you know, we've got to do this in a way that, that's, that's level, that, that moves across the playing field and doesn't, you know, doesn't specifically advantage, um, you know, the donor class of either side. Oh, and that, and that at least also proceeds from principles rather than winners and losers, right? Like right. that you can – you can come to a compromise on policy if someone has a principle that they're operating from, right? Because there are certain yep. things they're going to want to protect and certain things they're willing to give up. But if you've just picked your who you want to benefit, then you can't really create a compromise, right? Yeah, and that and there's no economic principle under that. Right. You've just you're just going to do whatever you can to get to the Goldman Sachs winning. <laughs> yeah, and 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 there and and by the way, the financial industry spent around fifty million dollars lobbying. This tax bill. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, they did. I mean, that, that's real money. <laughs> and but I, it's rounding error for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's actually also one of the things that I feel like the Trump era. We've only scratched the surface of what's of what what is going wrong in some ways, because when we like talk about even 
you know, uh, Russian influence on the election, which I believe existed, I believe happened um, and isn't bad. And and there's obviously I want the investigation to proceed, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm going to say might be somewhat controversial, which is that it's chick, it's, it's pennies. Yeah. Buying an election in America is cheap. Yeah. Buying a Listen, buying a uh, law uh, in America is cheap. The Russians, what what is the estimate they were supposed to have spent? I think it's just a few million dollars, if that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what the real corruption is and the real outrage should be the people that are operating at the billions and billions of dollars level. The, uh, the you know, I told uh, I told one of our major donors that we've worked with on a bunch of super PAC projects over the years. I said this is in uh, in 15, in the late fall of 15, in August or so, or September or so. I said, listen, you can spend a couple of million dollars right now and get rid of Donald Trump. Or you can wait until the primaries really heat up and you can spend $100 million. Or if the guy wins, you're going to spend two decades and tens of billions of dollars turning it around. Hmm. Up to you. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I guess we did manage to end um, on the vision of the future, which is uh, two decades and billions and billions of dollars to turn it around. Um, I Actually, hope that's I like, all it I takes. like to think the decade, the, the, it, it's more like the, the, the guy on the truck in Mad Max with the flaming guitar. That's sort of the vision <laughs> I'm having lately. <laughs> that's you. You are a guy on the truck with the flaming guitar in Mad I Max. Am. I um, am. And you are using your dark arts for good and not evil these days. And I—, I you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I want the, our alliance and our friendship to continue forever, but I want the cause of it to be over pretty quick. Um, but for now, you know, I hope you're doing well. Um, doing okay. Yeah. Doing in, okay. In Trump-adjusted terms. Trump, so. yes, in Trump-adjusted terms. We, we have to grade on the uh, on the doing okay curve. <laughs> yeah. And um, we will talk to you in a month. Hopefully, we'll, you know, hopefully the All country right. Look to will it. still be around. All right. Thanks, Anna. That is it for the show. Thank you, super fans. Please rate and review wherever it is you get your podcast. And quite sincerely, I hope you enjoy your Super Bowl. It is somewhat of a nightmare for me personally, a Giants fan. Uh, but I believe in the spectacle of football. It's a problematic fave, as they say. But there is something about that glorious celebration of both violence and reconciliation that strikes me as quintessentially American. And it's after the game is what really counts. So enjoy it. Take care of yourself. See you next week. Sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute. Who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.